Hi, you're listening to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part recap, part review, and there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go. Welcome to episode 14 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. My name is M. I'm your host. Today we'll be talking about Guardian episodes 18 through 20, Tan Bromance, the series, Beloved in House I Do, episode 5, also Do Lul Continent, episodes 1 through 10. So we're going to start off with Guardian episodes 18, 19, and 20. 18 and 19 can sort of be put together. At the end of episode 17, our former paparazzi guy came and showed Chief about an underground fighting um, ring that was going on. So episodes 18 and 19 have to do with that. Old Chu and Little Go go to investigate this underground ring, trying to find who is the undergrounder there. While there, Old Chu basically gets into a fight in the ring. He decides to join the ring because that's the, the way of getting the undergrounder to come out because the undergrounder only fights people that he considers to be worthy. There's a whole interesting scene while Chief Zhao and Professor Shen Wei are waiting in Chief Zhao's office. The little girl calls them and says, you know, that, that Old Chu is doing this. And through their conversation, we learn a little more about Old Chu. Old Chu was someone who had committed some kind of crime in Dishing and Black Cloak Envoy got him a, I guess he's on a parole kind of thing, um, let him so that he's up on the surface. He's working for the Special Investigations Unit and I guess his sentence was removed or whatever the case may be. Chief Sh- and Chief Shao's like, yeah, I kind of knew this all along. And he, it's almost like two parents saying like, oh, it's it's your fault he's the way he is no it's your fault because chief zhao is complaining about old chu taking such a risk of fighting in the ring and then he's kind of like well look who i'm talking to you're the one who sent him up here you know kind of like you're on his side he's complaining about the way old chu treats him like he says he doesn't respect him he only respects black cloak envoy and you know wouldn't it be funny if he realized if old chu realized that black cloak envoy is actually professor shen wei and a little later on you see shen wei kind of looking over at chief zhao because Chief Zhao's like all nervous. Professor Shen Wei's like, you know, it's okay to be nervous. And of course, Chief Zhao doesn't want to admit that he's nervous, that he's worried about how old Chu is doing because he's trying to be Mr. Tough Guy. So again, it's another one of these stories where the person from Dishing, the Dishinger as they call them, you know, who's supposed to be the bad guy is not necessarily the bad guy or there are reasons for him doing what he does. The first person he is fighting in this episode is someone who, as it turns out, he's fighting him for revenge because the undergrounder had fought his brother before and his brother lost the fight and committed suicide or he thought that he had committed suicide. We find out later in episode 19 that that wasn't actually the case. But in episode 18, we learn that actually this undergrounder, rather than being a bad guy beating up people, was actually saving people. Because as we saw in a previous episode, the person who runs this gym is turning over young men to Dollar Store Batty, who is taking their life force. The Dishinger, Wildfire, I believe his name was, somehow he overhears this going on and realizes what's happening. And so basically he's made it his mission to save young men who are trying to fight in the ring. But he has to do it in a quiet way with no one realizing that he's doing it. And so for some people, it 
seems like he's the bad guy when he's really not. He's the good guy. And they find this out through some of the people that he saved. Uh, in episode 19, they old Chu, Lil Gao are transporting wildfire ants. Well, no, actually, they're not transporting wildfire. They're transporting some of the kids that he had saved. They're transporting them out of the city for safety, as well as the brother who had been see seeking revenge. He's also being transported out of the city. While they are on their way, though, they are stopped by Dollar Store Batty, who is trying to get them. He seems to know old Chu. Well, I, he would have known him anyway, just from fighting them, but it almost seems like there's a little bit of history there, too. He fights old Chu. Wildfire comes along and tries to fight them, too. Wildfire was supposed to have left the city, but he feels such a sense of responsibility for these kids. He's been taking care of that. He was kind of secretly following them. When old Chu goes to fight Dollar Store Batty and loses and the reason he loses is because of little Lil Go. He gets distracted and then Dollar Store Batty, you know, gets the jump on him. Wildfire comes in and, and is able to fight him but doesn't realize something in his bag that he had from his one of his prize winnings. It's actually a booby trap that Dollar Store Batty set up. So a bomb goes off and they are captured. Old Chu, Lil Go and Wildfire are captured by Dollar Store Batty. So that brings us into you know, episodes 19 and 20 bring us further into Dollar Store Batty demands from Chief Zhao that he turn over the two artifacts, the two hollows that they have, which is the sundial and the owl is the other one. So basically exchange those things for the lives of his of his people. We also in episode 20 get to see a little more history behind Dallas Store Batty, why he seems to hate Black Cloak Envoy and why some people consider Black Cloak Envoy, some of the dishingers consider Black Cloak Envoy a traitor. So as we saw before in a previous episode, Dallasaur Batty used to be uh, one of the armed forces in, in, Dishinger, in Dishing. And he comes upon this Black Pillar that speaks into his mind and starts convincing him for th of things. And that's why his mind starts turning. You know, the Pillar is the one who tells him like Black Cloak Envoy is a traitor. He winds up killing a superior of his who he felt looked down on him. And he does this to kind of prove himself to the Black pillar black cloak envoy there when it happens or shortly thereafter and goes to arrest him and that's when we learn from him from black cloak envoy this black pillar houses prisoners so someone in this black pillar is already a bad guy and that's who has been speaking into dollar store baddies you know brain through their conversation is where we also learn that it was black cloak envoy who made the decision ten thousand years ago for all the Dishingers to go underground and to never see the sky again. And that's why he's considered a traitor by many of them. So also in this episode, we get to finally meet the big boss who is called Yezun. And he was the, the voice that was coming from inside the pillar because Dollar Store Batty, as we know, has been captured. He winds up being able to escape because of Little Gao again and kills himself, goes into little bits of light or something. And that somehow allows Yezun to escape. I don't know if he absorbs Dollar Store Batty's um, energy, life force or whatever, but he escapes, comes above ground, and gets into a battle with Chief Zhao. And Chief Zhao is able to fight him because he's using the sundial, one of the hallows, one of the artifacts. And he had used one of the artifacts earlier in the episode. And, you know, Shen Wei is always telling him not to use 
not to even touch the artifacts because he doesn't know what effects it'll have on his body. We see in this episode what effects it does have. Um, apparently he is now able to see the future. Things don't happen exactly as he sees them so it's not really clear if he's not seeing them properly or just because he is seeing them he is able to affect some changes and so those things don't come true. But in any case he's able to see them which is why when Dallas or Batty escapes he's trying to escape with the hollows with the artifacts but Chief Zhao was able to have um, the snake lady I always forget her name he calls her and has her grab the hollows so that Dallas or Batty never gets them. Yunza is up on on in Sea Star uh, above grounds he wants the artifacts so it's a ferocious battle uh, Shen Wei winds up coming to save him he was elsewhere but he I guess senses that Yunza is now in Sea Star and so he runs back to Chief Xiao and is able to save him in this battle but it's not without cost however because at the end of the episode Chief Xiao realizes that he has gone blind and it, it ends that way that's the end of episode 20. So these episodes 18, 19, 20 were they're okay the pacing is a little off it's dragging a little bit I think I read somewhere that this is that the company that has started this show kind of went bankrupt in the middle of it so I can see it because some of the things just don't look as good as the show is progressing and one of the things which I can't believe this would cost that much I'm not a makeup person so maybe this does cost a ton of money I don't know but wildfire the fighter his ability his dishing ability is fire that's why he's wildfire and so he has burns on his face because of that he also gets burned later from the explosion, but particularly the burns on his face, they don't, that makeup does not look good. And it almost looks, and in one point in episode 19, I think it was, it almost looks for a second as if the prosthetic or whatever it is they put, it kind of is like lifting off of his face. It seems to me that actually that would be like the cheapest thing in a show. Special effects seems to me that that would be the most expensive thing. So if they didn't even have enough money for, you know, a proper makeup art artist, or maybe they needed a specialist in prosthetic and they only had someone who does not specialize in that and that's why it didn't look good, I'm not sure. But you... You can see here kind of the quality is going down a little bit. On the other hand, Yunza, when he gets to above ground, he's kind of like fluctuating and he's got this black smoke surrounding his legs. You can't really see his legs. And that looks pretty good. It doesn't look bad. He even changes size. He grows giants or bigger than them at least at one point. He's probably like 10 or 15 feet tall. So that does not look bad. The underground set, the dishing set, I don't think looks great. <laughs> it's clearly a set. I don't feel as if I'm looking at an underground city. I feel as if I'm looking on a, at a set from a TV show. But uh, I think we're getting into interesting territory here. I'm not sad to see Dollar Store Baddie go. Uh, he really was not a very convincing bad guy. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if it was the cheap wig or what it was, but he just really wasn't a convincing bad guy to me. But Yunza, I think this will be interesting. It's played by the same actor who is playing Black Cloak Envoy, you know, Professor Shenwei. I don't know if that's supposed to be his twin. I don't know if that's a, a part of his personality that's split off. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they explain this storyline. Why does he look exactly like Shenwei? Chief Xiao hasn't really seen him yet because he's he is also wearing a mask as he appears, but he's familiar with Shenwei. He's familiar with Black Cloak Envoy. You know, he can see that they basically look the same. Um, also in these series of episodes are Snake Lady. It's not confirmed, I guess. No one comes out and says anything, but just... In seeing the things that he does, she also now knows that Shen Wei is Black Cloak Envoy as well. 
So, you know, more and more people of the Special Investigation Unit are going to be finding this out. We also see, again, Chief Zhao's father in this episode. He goes to the headquarters where the research department is, where Chief Zhao has to report to, you know, his higher-ups. The funny thing here is this is kind of a callback. This is not the first time that they've shown this, of course, but this is kind of a callback to the first episode. In the first episode, Professor Shen Wei's colleague or former colleague is trying to recruit him to work in a research center. And Shen Wei is like, no, you know, I want to stay a professor in the university. I have my own interests. And the funny thing is he basically is winding up working for the research center anyway because that same professor that was trying to recruit him is in the research department of the organization that Chief Zhao works for. And now Shen Wei is the consultant to that department. We don't know exactly what it is they're working on, but Chief Zhao's father, Director Zhao, is very interested in what they're doing and is hurrying them along in whatever this experiment is. And I don't think I mentioned this. I'm pretty sure I did not mention this in the previous episode. There's something up with Chief Zhao's father. He appears to have a dishing inside of him somehow. Maybe he was always a dishing. I'm not sure. His eyes change color to a kind of amber color, almost like amber, but with like black flecks in it it looks like it looks like in this episode it, there was almost someone speaking out from his body something's up with with chief Zhao's father i don't think chief Zhao knows it no one seems to know anything because he's kind of staggering around as this is going on and people are like are you okay and he's you know saying i'm, I'm fine i'm fine so there's some secret behind him as well so that's another storyline that it'll be interesting to see where it goes um the next show i'm going to talk about is tan bromance so tan bromance what to say about this show (laughs) tan bromance is a vietnamese bl that came out in february of 2020 and i am totally going to mispronounce this name but it's found on youtube it is on the dioxy tan entertainment channel my last post podcast I spoke about well-intended love kind of like I'd never seen anything like it kind of thing and the shocks that I experienced in each episode and the outrageousness of it basically and I thought that was a one-off little did I know so I bumped into this tan bromance and started started watching it and couldn't stop because I was confused (laughs) but interested this is as I said a Vietnamese BL boys love drama and it is the story of or ultimately the story of Tin and Tai, who are, well, first episode, they're part of a friends group. This group decides to go to a vacation home together. It's several couples, except for Tai, he's he's by himself. The reason, kind of the reason he's by himself, no one knows this. We don't even really know this until like the very end. Um, actually, we don't even know this in this episode. And we know in episode two, Tai is actually in love with Tin but Tin is dating someone else at the time. Episode one is basically like a horror show. They are in this just a normal vacation home. All of a sudden people start getting possessed and start killing each other. (laughs) And Ty, this character Ty, even gets attacked and hit with an axe. An axe goes through his shoulder. That's episode one. So you may think you're watching a horror show. Episode two, I guess it's still kind of a horror show. It's Sometime later, we don't know how long later, Tin is on a date with someone and Ty is there looking very jealous, kind of interrupting the date, stopping Tin from from eat from drinking. You don't know why he's acting in this jealous way. There actually seems to be really almost no connection to the first episode, so I was very confused as I was watching it. I started looking at the comments too because I was like, am I the only one confused? 
is it something I'm missing in the subtitling? Maybe, maybe there's a, a, a missing episode somewhere, you know, episode 1A or something. But no, other people appear to be confused as well. Episode 2, towards the end, we find out the reason he was acting in this way is actually the girl that was is dating Tin is trying to harm him. And Ty is trying to stop her, but he's not coming out and saying like, she's doing these things. She has just spiked your drink or whatever it might be. He's not saying anything. So it just looks like he's some jealous person. Even though Tin doesn't really know what's going on, she realizes that obviously Ty knows that she's trying to harm Tin. So she gets some people to kidnap him and they beat him practically to death. I mean, anyone else would be dead from the way they beat him, but somehow he survives. And this is like a continuing thread through this show. I believe it's 10 episodes. Episode three, there's kind of another time skip. Now they are finally officially, you know, a couple. Don't know how long they've been living together or whatever, but Ten decides that he wants to, he wants them to invest in, in some property, I think in a timeshare together. And Ty is a little hesitant at first, but then he agrees and they go to a meeting, supposedly a meeting for investors. At this meeting, however, for some reason, Ty is kidnapped along with some other people for human trafficking. Tin is beat up and almost, I think it's almost a chainsaw that they go after him with. He somehow has these amazing fighting abilities and is able to get away. In the meantime, Ty is again being beat within an inch of his life, this time with a metal pipe. I mean, I think anyone would have some serious brain damage, but he must be Superman. I mean, he's been hit with an axe. He's been beat with sticks. He's been hit with pipes so many times. Episode four, um, Tin is trying to find him or not trying to find him he's trying to get away he and Ty are both trying to get away Ty is of course so hurt that he's he really can't do much but it's really Tin who has to try to fight so like basically from here maybe I should just list the ways that Ty was hurt in each each episode Uh, episode four he's been stabbed then he gets hit by a car but finally all of those hits he's taken to the head have some results because at the end of episode four Tin is hugging him and you know are asking him are you okay and Ty is like, who are you? So now we've thrown amnesia into the mix. Episode five is kind of sad in its own way because Ten really loves Ty. They've kind of come full circle as far as this goes because in the beginning, it was Ty who really loved Ten and Ten is, didn't have those kind of feelings. Now Ten really loves Ty and Ty doesn't remember him at all. He's got the amnesia. And this actually makes Ty really vulnerable because a an enemy from a previous episode comes back and convinces him that Tin is really trying to harm him. And so Ty winds up, you know, fighting against Tin, who Tin really, of course, doesn't want to harm him because he loves him. So episodes six through 10 are basically a bunch of misunderstandings, but not your typical misunderstandings. This is, again, this show has been pretty violent. So if you don't like watching violent things, then then don't watch this. It's pretty violent. Six through 10, the misunderstandings are... Ty thinking that Tin killed someone that was close to him and not trusting him. And then breakups, makeups, more shooting and more stabbing. <laughs> um, pretty violent show. It's actually, I call it Tian Bromance, but it's actually the name is Tian Bromance, the hottest boy love series from Vietnam. You know, I don't know about that. It depends whatever your taste is. I know my monster-in-law part season two is out now. I personally like that better (laughs) because it's a more lighthearted kind of thing. I haven't seen that. I should say 
my monster-in-law season one I liked better than Tienth Romance because it's a more lighthearted thing. I did see an episode of, of season two of my monster-in-law and it looks like it just keeps that same um, lighthearted feel. So that, that's more, a little more of my style. Um, Tienth Romance wasn't bad. Like I said, very violent. So if you have a problem watching violent things, I would not, I would suggest that you not watch this. It's bloody. They show things happening. Other than that, it was a bit, not a bit, it was very confusing in part. The first five episodes, I would say, were pretty confusing because then after that, six through 10, I think I forgot to say that actually, six, it takes place five years later. So Ty has, he's got a whole new life now. He's a teacher in a village and he's made connections in the village he's got another teacher who is a friend who she actually likes him and then he has one of the students who he's actually very close to so he's he's formed a life in this village and tan is not part of this village it wasn't even clear at first that five years had passed i mean they looked the same but it wasn't clear until at one point they said it but my, i don't think it was even in episode six where they said it so tan has gone off and he's joined an organization he's joined a looks like a kind of mafia organization so they, they've got separate lives and but then tan sees him while he's investigating something and of course he wants to try to get Ty back so one of the misunderstandings i just mentioned is they Ty for a period of time believes that tan killed the father of this student that he is close to. They clear that up, but this this is important. This student is important because actually there is a season two to this drama and season two is called Tian Bromance Extra, My Small Family. This, I did actually see a couple of, of episodes of this. I haven't I don't know if I'm going to watch further, but you kind of have whiplash with this show. Like I said, it starts off with horror, becomes adventure, ro romance. It's like all mixed together. So Tian Bromance Extra, my, so my Small Family, is actually cutesy because it is Tian and Tai forming a life, forming a family together with Tai's former student. He's now their son. But it's in a, a very cutesy way because, you know, you've got a little kid and little adventures and things that little kids get into and how they start forming this family unit. So it's just a totally different tone from season one from Tian Bromance. So I had never heard of this series at all before, but episode one of Tian Bromance has like 2.8 million views. So clearly a lot of people have seen it. If you're someone who has not seen it and you like horror movies or you like, you know, action and you don't mind it very violent, then you might want to check this out. It is it can be a little confusing, like I said, but it's shot really well and the fight scenes are convincing. I've never seen these actors before. I haven't seen a ton of Vietnamese dramas, but the ones I have seen are mostly from the same house. And this is from a company that I'm not familiar with. So I, I don't know these particular actors, but it's acted well. Kind of an unbelievable storyline, quite honestly. But it's clear that money went into this production because it just looks really good. Um, some of the other Vietnamese dramas I've seen, you know, interesting stories and everything like that. But you can tell there's not a lot of money there necessarily. I guess BL, you know, it's kind of just an industry that's just starting up for Vietnam. But this clearly money has been put into this. Just the shots, because a lot of those fight scenes are happening in various locations, you know, in a factory or they're, or they're running through the forest and, and things like that. And that takes a lot of cameras, a lot of extras, a lot of actors. So if you like the zaniness of well-intended love, and you watch BLs, I would say you could check this out. It's not lighthearted. 
like well-intended love. Well-intended love, even though there was gaslighting and he really, episode 10, you find out he just did something pretty despicable. Um, the tone of the overall show was going for somewhat lighthearted, even though it really wasn't at the end of the day. But this, this is not lighthearted at all. Next up is Do Luo Consonant. Do Luo Consonant has been on my list forever. And I finally started watching it. And I'm like, what took me so long? This, I'm just going to talk about episodes one through 10 here. I'm not necessarily going to do a recap of each episode. But Do Luo Consonant stars Xiao Zhan, who was in The Untamed, if you've seen The Untamed. And he is playing a character called Tang San. And his little sister, quote unquote, in the show is Xiaowu, played by Betty Wu. And there are several other characters. I want to mention another character called Dai Mu Bai, because that's actually an actor that was also in The Untamed. He played Lan Shijian, I think the, the character was called. So, uh, Dolu Consonant. I'm going to read a little bit of the summary that's on my drama list. And I'm saying I'm reading a little bit because I'm only going to be talking about um, episodes 1 through 10 here. And the rest of the summary is <laughs> hasn't taken place in episodes 1 through 10. So, on my drama list. Having lost his mother at a very young age, Tang San grew up relying on his father, just as much as his father relied upon him. Meticulous and mature for his age, with extraordinary talent and wit, he was sent to Nuo Ding Academy. And actually, let me stop there. Tang San is growing up in this small village and he has, he already has some powers. And his father has him studying these various books about spirit masters and things like that. So spirit powers are as they, as it says, powers that people have. Their spirit power might be, they might have the power of a snow leopard, they might have the power of a panther. There's just various things that they might have power of. The weakest or one of the weakest powers is blue, gla blue grass power. This is a very common, con useless, considered useless power. Tang San in episode one is in the forest meditating and a giant spider starts coming after him and he's able to fight off the the spider and a spirit master sees him and is very surprised that he's able to do this. That's how he gets to know Tang San. Later on, the elder of the village sees that this spirit master is visiting the village and asks him if he will check the spirit abilities of the young people or just the people in the village. And he agrees to this. One of the people that the elder, the elder specifically comes to Tang San trying to get him to come and test his spirit ability. And so he does, even though his father does not agree with him doing this. And we don't really know why. His father just wants to keep him away from anything at all to do with spirit masters, spirit beasts, anything. Tang San goes anyway. The spirit master, of course, recognizes him because he had the run in with the, in the forest with him, tests his ability and discovers that he has this blue grass that his spirit ability which is a common apparently useless ability and he's disappointed the elders are disappointed Tang San doesn't really know what's going on but before he leaves the spirit master decides to test the level of his ability and so they do another test that's when they discover that actually Tang San is a prodigy in a way because he's got what is called innate 
full spirit power. This is a one in a, one in a kind, one in a lifetime kind of thing. And this is enough for the spirit master to give him his token and kind of a recommendation for him to get into the academy. What the elder and the spirit master don't see is that when he is trying to call forth his spirit power, he's trying to do it in his right hand. And that's where they see the blue silver grass that comes up, this, this useless common power. What they don't see actually is that his left hand, because he held it behind him, was also glowing. There's kind of a dark energy, a dark um, shadow coming from his left hand, which means he somehow has another power. And there's some kind of mystery behind this. There's a mystery behind who his mother is. We don't know if he inherited this from his mother. He's never met her and his father doesn't really talk about the mother. So there is some mystery there. His father doesn't like that he went and took the test, but he doesn't stop him from going to the academy. Tang San goes there and that's where he meets Xiao Wu, who they become close. They agree that they are going to be family, that she's gonna be his little sister. And from there, they stick together through thick and thin, at least through episodes one through 10. Various things happen. They start off in this academy together, but they make some enemies there and winds up having to leave because it is thought that they have killed the son of a of high official, which it's, it's not true, but this is the belief. So they basically go, wind up going on the run. Xiao Wu, Tang San, and Yu Xiaogang, who is actually the maintenance man <laughs> at the academy. He winds up becoming close to Tang San. He winds up mentoring him, counseling him, because he knows that that Tang San must have some other power. And even though he doesn't see what it is, even though he lets himself believe or lets Tang San convince him, whatever, that he only has the blue silver grass power, he still takes him under his wing. He still teaches him how to believe in himself, how to work to the best of his ability. And that's partially because he himself is someone who has only reached two spirit rings, which is kind of a, a low level. So he's someone who has not advanced. So he knows how that feels to not be necessarily a powerful spirit master. So he helps them when they find themselves on the run and recommends that since they do want to continue training as spirit masters, that basically the only place that they can go to is Monster Academy because Monster Academy is not, or Shrek Academy as it's called, it's not, it's not affiliated with other academies and they don't accept funding from local governments or anything like that, which means if they don't accept funding, they are free to do as they want. They are not beholden to anyone. So that's what they decide to do, that they're going to join the academy. And so they wind up getting into Monster Academy. In the last few episodes, I think it's like nine and 10. It's them in the academy, them meeting their fellow classmates. And we get to see the various abilities that one might have as a spirit master, as a spirit trainee. <laughs> Part of being in this academy, along with just learning their techniques, is that the academy has no money. So they wind up having to go out and help others for money, pretty much, or, you know, for food, for, for benefit, for something, for barter. And episode 10 ends with them. They are in a village trying to investigate the, the mystery behind a fire that occurs in a house in the village, but the fire doesn't touch any other part of the village it, and it doesn't touch even the grass that's around the house. So clearly there's some kind of mystery here and this is what they are investigating. So far, I am really enjoying the show. Xiao Zhan is an excellent actor. I mean, if, if you've seen him in The Untamed, you know this already. 
but I had read somewhere that actually this show was filmed a few years ago. I don't know what took them so long to have it come out. Um, I'm only, I'm talking about episodes one through 10 here, but I'm a little further along and the quality is not going down. It's, it's been good. So I don't know what took them so long to have it come out. Some of the CGI is not 100%, let's say. It's, it's not the greatest, but you know, there's a lot of CGI in this because the spirit beasts, all of these spirit beasts, they take money. You've got giant spiders, you know, just giant animals running through forests and, and this kind of thing. It does, it takes money for that. And this is also, even though they're fighting all of these beasts, it's not a particularly scary show. I wouldn't call it scary at all. So it almost seems like it's a little bit geared towards an, a younger audience, but I'm really enjoying it. I don't necessarily want something super scary anyway. Maybe I had enough scariness seeing Tian Bromance. I don't know. <laughs> but this is not scary. If you're looking for something truly scary, then, then don't bother with this. This is meant for a little, not meant for, but just a younger audience could watch this if they wanted to. So far, I'm liking all of the characters in here. Well, most of the characters, the bad guys, quote unquote, that are in the beginning of the, uh, of the show are annoying, of course, but they are meant to be annoying. There's one particular scene, I think it's episode eight. It might be before that, but when Tang San wants he decides he's going to kowtow. He's going to bow down to Gang because he wants him to be his master. It's a really sweet back and forth in a way because Yu Xiao Gang is, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be his master. And it's not anything against Tang San. He just feels like he's not worthy because he sees all of this potential in Tang San. He knows so let me backtrack a little. He's not powerful, but I guess he's powerful of the mind, you could say. Um, Xiao Gang, he is a researcher and he has all these theories about how people can increase their power, which is why he's such a help to Tang San. He knows through his research or he's theorizing through his research that Tang San, even though he's got blue silver grass as his spirit power, which is considered useless, if he trains it, if he tries different techniques, etc., he can increase his power. So he's one of the few people to kind of believe in Tang San and he makes Tang San believe in himself because of it. So when Tang San wants to bow down to him to, for, to become his disciple, he's like, no, like we, we're at the same level already. And you're, you know, you're so young, you're going to surpass me very soon. How could I possibly be your master? And Tang San is like, you know, and he's telling Tang San, you need someone powerful because you're going to be powerful. And Tang San is like, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the one who mentored me, the one who believed in me. And what kind of person would I be if, you know, if as I became stronger, I just threw the people to the side who were with me in the beginning. And Xiao Gang, he fi finally accepts him as his disciple, but you can tell he's kind of overwhelmed. He almost looks scared. I don't know if scared is the word I'm looking for, but just, you can tell he's just not sure. He's not sure he deserves this honor, I think is the way that I would put it. But um, I agree with Tang San in this instance because everyone else just does not take his power seriously and Xiao Gang does. And he's right though, that Tang San is gonna be very powerful because everything he's learning is the blue with the blue silver grass. 
he's not even necessarily touching that other power that he has. The one that, like I said, came out of his left hand. But I, I thought that was a very touching scene. And they are staying together. At least through the episodes I've seen, they are still together. I don't know what's going to happen to Xiao Gang later. This is a, a Chinese drama. Unfortunately, I don't know if he'll make it to the end. I really hope he does. I, I like him as a character. I definitely, at least so far, could recommend watching this if you were into Sansia. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, drama, which are, you know, fantasy dramas, fantasy costume dramas, Chinese dramas. If you're into that, this is one of those. As I said, people with powers, spirit beasts, all this kind of stuff. If you like The Untamed, you, you know Xiao Shan is, is a good actor, so he's, he's good here as well. Even though, as I said, this was filmed before The Untamed, I definitely plan to continue with the series. It's a 40 episode series, can be found in various places. You can find it on Viki, you can find it on WeTV. Now on to episode five of Be Loved in House I Do. And this was actually, is not that much to talk about in this episode, but not in a bad way. Just, it was just a really cute episode all around. I really enjoyed this episode. The only one little thing, whoever did the sound in this episode, for some reason the music is really loud. There's a noticeable difference. And actually there's one part, kind of a third way through the episode where a gang is talking to um, Shile where the sound actually dips for their for their speaking. So something was going on with that. It's it's not super super noticeable, but it is noticeable. But other than that, good episode. We saw at the end of the previous episode that Shile appears to be ill, and so the beginning of this episode is um, Eugene taking care of him, and it's really sweet. You've got the the, the trope that you usually see. You know, he's wiping him down with the towel. And everything like that at home, he even like washes his hair, dry, drying his hair and everything. And you see Gang later on and she lays speaking in the cafe and she lays a little bit kind of confused about what went on. And Gang, you know, guesses like, oh, he stayed next to you when you were sick, right? And she lays like, yeah. And he's and Gang is like, yeah, that's that's the person I know. So she is having to change his mindset about Eugene's personality. I'm changing my mindset as well, because I, in episode one, I had mentioned in the previous podcast, they were really making him out to be a real jerk the way he kicked out Sichui out of the house but he has mellowed since then or they're showing him being more mellow since then something else that's cute here is Shile goes off to work Eugene doesn't realize or he realizes that he's left and he hears a noise in the house winds up calling the police and then it turns out to be Shile's mother so there's that whole misunderstanding where she's upset that he thinks that she was a thief and then of course she's having to backtrack once she realizes that that's her son's boss and she was kind of giving him a hard time but Anyway, that's even, even there, it's really cute because Eugene is clearly trying to stay on her good side, maybe hoping that will be his future mother-in-law, perhaps. <laughs> and she lays just there kind of like smirking off to the side that Eugene is being given a hard time, but it doesn't occur to him, I guess, until his mother says it, oh, that's your boss, <laughs> you know, he might fire you kind of thing. And then he's, then he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Which, of course, Eugene would not do that. Not in this circumstance, anyway. We do see the preview for the next episode where something happens. Eugene wants Shile to do something. It's not clear what. And Eugene says he seems to be like using to do whatever it is and seems very upset about it. And even says we should change our relationship or end our relationship. I'm assuming that's a translation thing. He's, maybe he's threatening to quit about whatever it is. I see why they gave us this super cute episode because they're about to hit us with some angst in the next episode. I really like all the couples in the show. Eugene and Shile are 
very cute together. It's funny because I know Eugene is like this handsome guy, right? Ruggedly handsome, but he just looks adorable here. Like his actions and everything in the show. Sheila's got this, if you've seen him, he's got this adorable, or the actor, not the, has this adorable smile with the little dimples. But it's interesting to see him kind of changing his mind about Eugene. But also remember, they've been showing throughout the show, Sheila has a crush on, I don't know her name, one of the workers in the cafe. So I don't think he's thinking of Eugene in a relationship sense at all because he's got this crush on this woman in the cafe. So he's having to change his mind about him as a person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to think of him in any romantic sense. We see a little bit in this episode um, him reaching out to Eugene in, in a moment that still doesn't mean that he's thinking of him romantically. He's just trying to comfort him. So he still may not be thinking of him in that way. So good addition to the series um, again overall. And I like the tone that the series is taking. It's filmed nicely. It's filmed very nicely um, cinematographically. They just have to whatever was going on with the sound in this episode you know hopefully that'll be corrected in the next episode it's the first time i've noticed it i don't think i've heard it in the other episodes so it just happened here whatever it is i'm actually really hoping that they have all the episodes filmed because i mentioned previously i might try to catch love is science or at some point catch love is science but i'm actually not gonna start looking at it just yet because love is science i guess they just filmed a certain amount of episodes and haven't finished it and now it, they're on a delay now because of COVID. Hopefully we won't have those issues with Beloved in-house I do because I, I really want to see the conclusion of this series. I'm really having fun with it. So that's it for this episode, for episode 14. We didn't get to talk about Imperial Coroner here, so I, I may just wind up doing a separate episode for that because this episode ran so long. But thank you so much for joining me for episode 14 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can reach me at dramawatcher6 or you can send me an email dramawatchernotes at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone.